So my name is Alan Hunter. Welcome on behalf of BAFTA Scotland and Altitude Films. There will be a Q&A um, and after the Q&A there will be drink uh, in, the, yay, in the bar just through there. So please stay after that and if you want to chat more informally then. Um, we will chat for a little bit and then if you have questions, anything you want to ask about the film or indeed about your entire career. Uh, that won't take long. <laughs> then please feel free to do that. Um, congratulations on the film. Congratulations on the, the kind of quite exciting festival life it's been having all year, from Rotterdam to Edinburgh to Zurich to Dinard, etc., etc. Et oh, yeah, it's been doing. It's, yeah. It's been doing it. Um, there, was, uh, there was a short film, Happy Birthday to Me, and from what I gather, you felt there was more there to say about that, that character. So what was the relationship between the short and the feature and how did you go from there to here? Sure. Um, the, I made a short film um, based on a prototype version of this character, uh, Daphne, and we made a, a sort of run and gun film, a film on the street in East London in two days for I think £500 or something, £300 of which was parking. <laughs> <laughs> And we shot this film, and I shot the film without a monitor because we were on the street, so with no permits or anything, we're sort of running, you know. And went back to the edit room, and I looked at the cut, and because we were shooting at night for the short film, I couldn't see what Emily was doing. I couldn't really see a performance because the camera guy was taller than me, and I was behind him, so I could only really hear Emily most of the time because the streets were so busy, you know. And we went to the edit room, I saw Emily's performance in the short film, and she was doing great work. I love Gina Rowland, she's probably no, my... Or Jenna. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Yeah, she's my, probably my favourite actor. And I thought, oh, there's something about her physicality that it reminds me of her. And we cut the film, and I said to the writer, I think this girl's... Emily's excellent, I think we should try to see if there's more juice in the character. So we wrote a first draft of the script really quickly, sort of inspired by the character in the short film. And the way I like to work is a character-based film, so I do a sort of Mike Lee um, without the lunch thing. So I talked to the actors. We wrote the film for Emily. Right. So I'd spent a couple of years doing, from making the short to shooting, a couple of years making a, like, a terrible first-person novel based on her biography, you know? Right. So over the two-year period, I'd phone up Emily and I'd say, OK, Emily, you, this character we've made, studied English lit and philosophy and dropped out after first year, after first term. So I gave her the first-year reading list, hence Zizek and okay. Freud. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we sent her to work in a restaurant, we sent her to do various terrible dates with guys and to... To dip in and out of things really over the course of about 18 months when she wasn't working on proper films being paid and because she's a pal <laughs> yeah she very kindly obliged and we built the character that way so we're lucky we took the short film and the first draft of the script to the production company called the bureau and they could see the tone of the film we were trying to make because they saw emily's performance in the short film <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Um, 
One thing that, that comes up a lot in either reviews or people talking about the film is likability. Um, people sort of saying, oh, I'm not sure she's very likable. I'm not sure. I think she's quite abrasive and stuff like that. How important was it for you that that wasn't kind of softened and, um, you know, She's not Bridget Jones, so, you know... I must put my hand up and say, I've never seen Bridget Jones. Right? This is what I know about Bridget Jones. Tell me if I'm wrong. Big pants, little pants, white wine. Who else took Mr Darcy? Is that right? What's yeah, his name? And another guy. Yeah, yeah. Are those the ten yeah, posts of so, Bridget Jones? You hey. just saved people six hours of watching oh, yeah, three yeah. films, yeah. Um... Okay, what can I say about likability? But it's it's just that you I'm know, not do so we expect likability? Do financiers expect? Was there any kind well, of? We were lucky that the, I suppose if I'd been ten years older, slightly same age as Methuselah, or ten years younger, I probably would have been a social scientist. I think that interests me a great deal. So our position in this film was to ask two questions. The first question was, how does a normal person live? in a city like London. Second question is, what do you do if you become the thing you've been pretending to be? So these are the two questions that started us off. Um, So in terms of likability, it's never something that we considered. Character, uh, okay, let's go back and... Right, gender. uh, You know, my understanding of reading around gender is that it's a construct. Characters are constructs. So for us, we never really considered, because we made her from the inside, in a sense, by building the character through exercises and sort of probably more theatrical methods of making character, that we'd ever judge her, we'd ever stand outside externally and say, this character's abrasive or this character's, you know, harsh or strong. Similarly, I'd stop myself, the adjectives would never be applied to male characters, which are also constructs. You know, it was the last time you saw a movie when the guy's described as a strong guy. Yeah. yeah. Or a promiscuous man. It's bullshit. Complete bullshit. <laughs> so, if people still at this day, at this point of the century, can't think that you can make a, a sentient construction of a character without labelling them with some to me, spurious adjectives, sexist adjectives, then I think it's a sad state that we find ourselves in. Oh, I'm glad you're still here. I liked, uh, I liked American New Wave. I grew up watching movies on the telly. We really like, all of us, the producer, the writer, myself, we really like Five Easy Pieces. Oh, right, yeah. And who would ever look at Jack Nicholson's character in that and say, Oh, he's not likable. <laughs> he's a bit unsympathetic. He's a bit unsympathetic, this guy. Yeah. You know, and I think, what was that, 40? 1970. So. Yeah. So, we're saying that about female characters now, mm. you know, half a century later. I think it stinks, to be honest. <laughs> I just brought it up, because that came, comes up in reviews, but also in terms of sure. getting the film made and stuff like that. There's no kind of, oh, no. give her a cuddly dog or give her a backstory no, or n- nothing that at all. kind of stuff. No, nothing. Uh, so we were funded from the BFI. Mm. Lizzie Frankie, oh, yeah. who you know, who I'm sure a few of you know here, Lizzie loved the character from the get-go. She's really supportive of the BFI. We have Creative Scotland, similarly. And we had those two funders. The third 
The amount of money was money from a, a private investor in France because the bureau's got a French arm. Okay. And no one ever came to us and said, could you make the character nicer or softer or yeah. less promiscuous? <coughs> I think it's just sex, sexual encounters with like two people or something, you know, two or three. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot, madam? <laughs> in a week? What does all that buy you in terms of days that you got to shoot? Sure. That uh, kind of stuff? 22 days. Two 11-day fortnights. Lots of night-for-day scenes mm-hmm. in the apartment. Um, so the short film I made, I made it as a kind of dummy run. So the Emily's apartment is where I live. Yeah. So I thought that would save money. <laughs> and I know the area pretty well. It's Elephant and Castle in southeast London. So I know that area. I've lived there for a decade, basically, off and on. And all of the locations are in that area, with the exception of two, well, two that we had to travel. Everything's within walking distance. So I sat in that area because I knew it and... The area's undergoing massive regeneration. We thought that's a good place to put this character. The area's becoming gentrified. It's central, and there's a massive physical hole in the area at the moment, and we thought, well, let's put her here because she's undergoing some of this process of gentrification herself, you know? Yeah. So those are the, I suppose, the things we were thinking about or looking at that came from the making of the character and the situation about where to place it. And was there any sense as well that you wanted to make a film that was a London film that didn't feel like the typical London films you see and a film about a woman that's not really kind of seen in the kind of films that British cinema makes? Yeah, in terms of women, uh, we, the producer Valentina and myself and Nico the writer and Emily, we said... The women that we know and we meet, we don't really see them in the cinema screen. So our fantasy audience member was like a 35-year-old woman in Hackney going to the picture house on a Friday with her pals, you know, our fantasy audience member or or the Ritzy in Brixton or something. And we thought, we don't see women we know on the screen. Maybe on the telly a bit more, but not in the cinema. And that was some of the... The thinking in terms of being a, a London that's not uh, recognisable in a sense, well, every major city is a cinematic language, doesn't it? We're not really interested in exploring that New York, you know, or mm. y- you know the, the the London films. For us, I live in the Elephant and Castle. It's an amazingly multicultural and vibrant area. It's in Zone One. It's like ten minutes walk from the BFI, okay. twenty minutes walk from the the, the office. But the area, there's like it's the largest collection of Colombians outside of Bogota or something. It's an amazingly vibrant uh, cultural area. And my experience of London, and I, I like London, South London especially, it's like that. Mm-hmm. So I think the area is interesting because it's being redeveloped. You know, it's changing in a sort of weekly basis at the moment. And of course, like lots of cities, they, all the working class people who lived in the States there have been yeah. thrown out. So I think, for me personally, in terms of what's going on there, I think it's the most interesting area in London at the moment in terms of how people are trying to hang on to their houses, redevelopment, you know, 
culture, street culture. It's, it's an interesting place. I went to Goldsmiths, not far away, you know, along the road. So that I'd walk through it every day going to college. Okay. It's an interesting place. Any of you know Elephant and Castle very much? Anyone from the Elephant? Uh, I give a little homage to it because it's East Street Market as well this is set which is where Charlie Chaplin of course was born so her jacket and her trousers rolled up a wee bit and her funny walk alright oh, ok a wee nod to Charlie <laughs> Chaplin I don't know what happened to him no I never hear of him these days no, um, does anybody have anything they want to ask if not we will keep talking about the film or any oh, other oh please things. please do please do oh, oh, I do recognise that part of London it's um it's a very loving look at for uh, some of your shots. Uh, well, thank you. I love it there. I genuinely love Elephant and yeah, Castle. It's my favourite place in London. It's made London into a character. But um, the character of, of, of Emily, I felt, was almost more French. Ah. Oh. You know, it's, I don't know, that sort of acting, that sort of characterisation. Um, uh, has it been shown to a French audience and what was their reaction? Has it been shown to... Uh, we, yes. we were in well, Dinar yeah. last week, but we've, we sold it in France. And so it's not been released there yet, but the Bureau, um, the company who produced the film, have a French wing who are called Le Bureau, funnily enough. So the exec <laughs> and the film was French. And the backers, some of the backers were French. So I think she looks a wee bit like Catherine Deneuve in some of the shots. A wee bit, yeah. And then a wee bit like Claire Skinner. of Agnes Varda. Yes. Yeah, I, know, love, I love Cleo, her. Cleo 5 to 7. I think the bit when she comes down the escalator. Yeah. Right, Agnes Varda's got a... Um, An homage yeah. to Agnes Varda and Charlie Chaplin. There you go, all uh, the greats. Yes. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It was such like a meander along. Like, I just wanted to keep seeing how she's going. When it finished at the end, I just was so happy. I was like, oh, was she all right? Does she like get a relationship does she work something out like when it finishes you just it was almost just as it's how it starts I just was kind of like well what happened is she okay well that's good that you have invested in her that you, you want to know for us the structure of the film if you think about it in a sense is this shell this carapace she's made for herself when she realises it doesn't work anymore kind of the end of the story for us you know yeah. and tune in for Daphne two years down the line when she's uh, <laughs> the ice skating movie we're currently uh, writing. Developing. Developing the ice skating movie when she's got two kids. Yes, sir. I, I guess coming just in relation to that, how it ended, um, did you always have it in mind to end in a similar way? Because I like the way it, it didn't go to a massive crescendo of anything. There was only a few possible ways I thought it could go and I wasn't even sure it would. So did did you always plan for it to have that kind of that finish? You always have um, like Yes, we, we, we did pretty much. I mean, the way we work is we work, we write quite quickly. I do the characters, and Nicole does the draft, and we talk a lot, and we do a draft a month or something. And the structure, I'm interested. So a character film, of course, like any film, they say, the plot has to come from the character, what the character needs to do. So as soon as that thing's over, when she realises the thing she's done for a while doesn't fit anymore, she's going to have to do something else in the future, it's the end of the story. So for me, let's get out quickly. But in terms of that, that was the last scene. So I like shooting sequence. So that was the last shot on the last day in the sequence we were shooting. 
I think I dropped a couple of scenes in the first day, round about Elephant and Castle, when she was going to work because they felt a bit too baggy and to be honest with you, I made a right mess of directing them. It was the first day, you know. <laughs> and you like anything you get better. You know, you get quicker and you get more efficient. So I tried to open up doing a really difficult shot in the middle of Elephant and Castle at uh, Rush Hour on a Friday morning. Sound person loved me for that, <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't get it. It took me all morning to yeah. get on it, you know. So the lesson there: schedule easy stuff <laughs> in the first day. But um, did I think of any other idea? Well, f- for us, there's and the character and the style of filmmaking, there is no big crescendo in life. So it's, for us, it was a really interesting thing. I like plots and stories that seem to meander. I don't really like the constructed movie where I know it's going to go. I mean, I love those, you know, and I need them. Sometimes I want to watch them. I don't especially want to to do one, if you see what I mean. I can really appreciate them, you know, but I like kind of not knowing where a story's going to go. So I, I like Cassavetes very much, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, when they get there with Cassavetes, you know that's where they should be, but you think... Oh my God! How did we get here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like that sort of slight of hand if you can manage it, and it's so tough to do. You know, in, in ninety minutes or something, it's really tough to to make a structure that people are on a journey with that doesn't end up exactly where they suspect. And especially, you know, someone who watches what, films for a living, you'll think, <laughs> well, no, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of think, okay, this is going to happen, and that's yeah. going to happen, and she'll do that, and he'll do that. And, and you tick it off, don't and you? And we'll be out the door. And, yeah. yeah. And we thought we'd, we'd try to address that in some way in, in the structure. So trying to make something that feels like life, but it's also a movie, it's a really, it's a tough balance, you know? And, uh, and for us, similarly with the tone, if it's too comedic, we think we failed. If it was too dark, we think we failed. So with the character, so our sort of worldview is very similar to you know a Chekhovian idea. It's light and dark together, or very close to each other. You know, and similarly with the structure, if it was too comedic, mm. we think it'd tip over. If it was too navel gazing, then we think we'd tip over in that way too. I suppose that's our worldview. You know, the writer and myself and the producers, we both have a wee. We share a worldview in a sense of a sensibility. I wondered as well, um, for many of us, your first feature has been a long time coming. Oh, ages. The last taboo. <laughs> um, but I, I did wonder, like, when you get to that stage of this is actually happening, how does that feel for you? Do you feel like, oh, I've been preparing for this forever, so I'm rearing to go and I can do this? Or is there like, oh, my God, this is such a a make or break almost kind of thing and burden you know mm. or are you just so engrossed and just getting on and making the movie that none just, of that I think when comes you, into it uh, sure um, in terms of making I started making short films I was going to say late but you know in my <laughs> mid 30s I started making them so it was like two or three weeks ago um, I think you go through different phases. I tried to make a couple of feature films in the past 10 years, and both of them got pretty close and fell on their backsides after about two or three years each. So I took a big chunk. I also made a, a, a documentary and some telly in that time. 
But in terms of thinking of a, a making a first feature, I started to do a PhD, okay. and then we got the funding, and I <laughs> reluctantly <laughs> I walked away. Decided where your priorities yeah, exactly. Yeah. Decided I was a top and went away and made a film. Yeah. Um, so I suppose I was talking to Bev about this earlier. I've got two kids. I've got a three-year-old and a ten-year-old. I'm making a, a film in a sense, being away, making a film. It was good fun. <laughs> I slept in the hours I was meant to sleep. Yeah. You know, I was lucky that I worked with people that shared a, a similar love of cinema that I, I have, and I really like their films, Weekend. Yeah. You know, Tristan, who produced this, made Weekend. Has anyone seen Weekend? Andrew Hayes? Film. Everybody must have seen Weekend. And 45 years they made that film. Mm-hmm. And London River. You know, I like them. I think they're a good company. I like their work a, a great deal. So I think that was a joy. I mean, it was a joy working with them. Yeah. Because they care about everything, you know. So I suppose they're a boutique sort of yeah. film company. So they they give first and second time filmmakers a real... And I was lucky they just needed a, a first film. They had a gap in their schedule at that point. And I was so fortunate. That was so easy. That took, like, two years to do, whereas the others took about five or six years to not happen to not happen yeah. <clears throat> anybody else want to ask anything before we maybe yes budget <laughs> well there's a straight what is your budget question. <laughs> <laughs> limitless limitless um, okay budget right it, the budget actually is whatever you tell us it is yeah so. okay <laughs> well you know if you uh, say it's 10 million it's 10 uh, million yeah. you know um, I don't like to talk about the budget of a film I'll tell you why I don't like to talk about it. Because I think people categorise films in relation to how much they cost. And I'm not mad on that. I, if a film costs 200 grand or if it costs 500 or if it costs 3 million, for me, because I do it myself, I say, well, that was okay because it only cost 100 grand. Or that was awful because it cost 10 million quid. Mm. So I... I Respectful. I understand the, 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 the interest in these things, especially if you make films or you're interested in that thing. But for me, I, I'm sorry, I prefer not to answer them because if I say it costs three million quid, your view of the film will be different than if I said it actually it costs 200 grand. Um, and actually, um, it is a film that had distribution, which is a, a, a rare achievement in itself. It's a film that's made some money. It's a film that's been sold around the world. Um, We were really lucky. And um, it's also been kind of bracketed in a way with, say, God's Country and Lady Macbeth in a sense that maybe there's a bigger audience for more challenging British films than distributors thought and maybe there's something going on in terms of a... I think there is just now. um, I don't know, not, not a movement, but in terms of... First support for yeah, first films and yeah. second films are low budget British films that aren't the normal type of first film. Yeah, yeah. So the, the the wisdom with the first film is that if it's a low budget film, you have few characters and you try to keep them in one location, mm. which makes sense. Yeah. And we traded off having a bigger cast and lots of locations, but our production was based on the fact that we had really short time to shoot and 
the way I work is I don't rehearse, so that doesn't really cost any money. Mm-hmm. So I never rehearse anything. We don't read the script. The actors turn up on the day. I like the room and not the actor. So the actors can move anywhere in the room and we don't rehearse and we shoot really quickly. So I know uh, Francis uh, from God's Own Country works in a very specific way and I know that Will, who made um, Lady, Macbeth. Lady Macbeth, also works in a very specific sense. So I, maybe there is. So there's a great film out just now called Apostasy that's at London. If, if, if you like this type of British film we've been talking about, I'd recommend you see that because I think it's a really, really interesting film. It's really interesting filmmaker. Also just picked up a, a UK distributor. It has, yeah. Uh, Curzon, have Curzon. It, I think it'll come out next year. Um, last chance for a question. Yes. Hey, uh, I was just going to ask, like, after going through the short to feature process, uh, so like say if you're, if you're making a short with the intention of expanding to a feature down the line, have you got any recommendations or things you like to consider or things maybe in hindsight that Insight that carried you through the process into the feature. I didn't you make character driven, you've obviously Yeah, I like character like films. I still think there's some room for them. You know, I'm I'm interested in how people live their lives and I find in character films there's still room to kind of explore that a bit. So for me, I never made a short film thinking it would be a feature film. I always tried to make a short film in its own terms. And the only thing that made us think about expanding this as we looked at the character in the shot and we said we think there's something in it it wasn't it wasn't a plot if you see what i mean it wasn't oh here's a story that needs a a longer time to be told yeah. it was the character she's interesting what she like what she going to do next so i suppose that was the thing that made us expand the story we only decided we liked her once we made it you know, and people saw the shot and said, she's interesting, quite a striking actor. So we wrote it for Emily. Um, advice? I don't know. I think I've made about eight or ten short films now. I think if you go into them thinking they're going to possibly be expanded, you kind of perhaps do the, the form a bit of a misservice. Because for me, it's a, it's a standalone thing. It's closer to the poem for me, the short film, than the than the short story, you know, it's a, they're hard to get right, and when they do, when you do get them right, if you ever do, they're a joy. I do think that the the short film's still the best way to get people to see your work, though. I still think it is. You know, there was a little while where the sort of prestige shot with a big budget, you know, was the, was the way the the industry was sort of going, and now, you know, after two thousand seven, the financial crash, you know if you get any money at all to make a short film you're doing well so the idea of making a, a short film which for me they work best most of the time when they're on their own but it's still the best way for people to see your work you know and if you make enough of them and you make them cheaply then people can start to pay attention to your style you know or the, the, the subjects you want to, to explore that would be the, the, the only advice is that whatever you're making make it as best you can and try not to I've seen lots of short films where I could see there's a feature film idea squashed in here Yeah, and they, they're neither feature film. they rarely become feature films but well as the directors that I like who've made short films, Peter Mullins films which, I was just thinking yeah all of Peter's can, films yeah. feel, shorts feel like they should be shorts yeah. and 
Gas One's my favourite short film. It's completely realised. I think it's a great film. But you could see her style, couldn't oh, you? Yeah. I mean, it goes to... You'd look at that as a funder or something and say, that person could do a yes, feature film. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah, you want to see it. And there's nothing about it pulling that story out or making it yeah. bigger. It's just about the, the style and the bravura of the director. Um, last question. I'm aware that we haven't really spoken about your about Emily. How did you come to her in the first place? And Sure. Uh, I, my agent, uh, Sean, introduced me to her. She was with his agency. And I said, you should meet this girl. I think you'd like her. And I was trying to make a short film at the time. So I met her and we got on. And she was too young for the short film that I wanted to do, but we kept in touch. And in that sort of period, she'd done a few films and a, little, a bit of telly, but she wasn't a... a yeah, uh, uh, on the rise as it were you know and we were lucky we made the short film and then coincidentally at that time she got cast in a Coen Brothers film Hail Caesar mm. she got a couple of good scenes in Hail Caesar the wood that it were with Ray Fiennes scene <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. best scene yeah, my yeah, favourite yeah, yeah. scenes in the film she's the girl and that looks a bit like Veronica Lake yeah with a red hair and she got cast in this American Kung Fu show so it's called Into the Badlands. Has anyone seen that? So it's an interesting show. It's, uh, who, who made Mad Men? AMC. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it's an AMC show. It's in its third season just now. She plays a leather-clad dominatrix. Mm-hmm. She's the baddie. Her character's called The Widow. <laughs> yeah, she is. So if you like, yeah. if you like her, you, <laughs> you can out. find her. But she's she's a joy. She's a joy. She's doesn't really drink, doesn't swear, doesn't smoke, doesn't do kung fu. <laughs> Doesn't lots of guys. She's very polite, but she can act. But she can act. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, feel free now to to join us for drinks next door and chat informally if anybody wants to ask anything else. Please do. Um, and join me in thanking Mr. Peter Mackie Burns. Thank you. Thank you.